Today's episode is brought to you by Cattle. Every product launch faces a chicken and egg problem. You need reviews to convert, but you need conversions to get reviews. Cattle can help. Cattle helps brands win share. They leverage their consumer panel for insights, collecting receipts, and driving product ratings and reviews. It is the largest daily active survey panel in Canada, with over 10,000 daily active users and over 100,000 monthly active users. Let cattle be your chicken and or your egg, depending on your perspective. Visit getcattle.com to learn more. And my simple conclusion coming out of that is I'm a teacher in finance clothing as opposed to a finance person who likes training sessions. Welcome to Hearts and Carts, the CPG podcast, the podcast about the people behind the products that are winning hearts and filling carts. This cast is for anyone with an interest in the world of consumer products. We're your hosts, Justin Osborne and Alex Hill, and our mission is to bring you weekly content that helps you be a better and more informed CPG professional. Welcome back to another episode of Hearts and Carts, everyone. It's Alex, your co-host. I am sitting here with Justin, and we are uh, we are getting ready to have uh, yet another great conversation with another great guest. Uh, but first of all, I want to take uh, a moment to recognize a few birthdays. Two of them, yeah. Yeah, a few. So f- first of all, I mean, the podcast just turned one, um, which is c- crazy. You know, they grow up so fast uh, and all that. Uh, it, uh, it went by in a blink, but yeah, I think we're whatever, you know, 50 something episodes in here and learning so much and just appreciate all of you who are listening and learning with us and also all of our awesome guests who are coming and sharing a part of themselves, uh, with our audience and, and just teaching us. And, and yeah, it's been, it's been an amazing experience. It's also Justin's. Uh, it was Justin's birthday uh, was, just yeah. a few days ago on 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 November the fifth, and uh, happy birthday to Justin and and to my wife as well. <laughs> I was uh, gonna Nat, say, who, uh, yeah, I, I I didn't forget uh, my two my, my my two partners uh, have the same birthday. It's consolidated and easy for me. But how was the birthday, man? I, I was gonna say Alex will forever remember my birthday because if he's forgotten it, he's in a lot of trouble with his other partner. Um, uh, good. I am a lot older than our podcast, uh, and I'm feeling, feeling a lot older and I'm I'm completely gray at this point, but, uh, had a great birthday, spent it with some, some friends, um, that I haven't seen in a long time and, uh, partied, acted like children, just, just had a really, really good time. And, um, right before that was Halloween and, and Leo was having an amazing time. It's been a really good week and I'm just, you know, reflecting on, one year of this podcast is pretty wild and all the interesting people that we've been able to meet all the extra time that you and I've got to spend together um all the the different brands we've been exposed to it's been a really really amazing year of doing that it's hard to believe it, it feels like only a few months ago and um just feeling thankful for all of the people that jumped on to this podcast and, and volunteered their time for us I, I think um we had hoped that this would turn into something special and I, and I, I think it has. And so just really happy with, with the way it's going. And on that note, we've got another amazing guest today. So Alex, who do we got? Today we're going to be chatting with Ron Montero. Uh, Ron has over 18 years of CPG experience, uh, mainly in finance at a great company. 
companies ranging from uh, Kruger to Campbell's to, to Kraft. In his current capacity, he's now focused on on teaching and training. Uh, he, he, he runs a consultancy and training company named KICT Inc. And he also works as a speaker, facilitator and coach for another organization named Clear Concept Inc. So doing really interesting things, uh, helping people unlock potential and 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 really um elevate their skill sets and and their impact in their organization um but i'll let ron talk more about that so before we jump into that interview just want to say if you haven't already follow us on either instagram or linkedin uh five-star reviews go a really long way to spreading that hearts and cards gospel uh to those who aren't aware of it and uh without anything else to add let's get after it Ron, how are you? How are you guys? Great. How are you doing? Doing good. Yeah, really good. Really good. Well, welcome to the show. Thanks for making the time to meet with us. I know we bounced around a couple times. Life gets in the way a little bit, doesn't it? Always a pleasure, man. I know we've, uh, yeah, I, I just dropped my son off to the rink and I was like, not sure if I'm going to make it back. So. <laughs> <laughs> Weird uh, snow and freezing rain and stuff like that in Toronto. So all good. good. How, We're here how, now. How old's your son? He's 13. 13. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, what, yeah, a lot of time at the rink at that age. He's obsessed with hockey, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. It's good. Like, you know, keeps him out of trouble, so to speak. And <laughs> they're hitting this year, right? So it's a it's a different yeah, year, yeah. right? So the buddy who I I'm a short guy, right? So my son's pretty small. But he, he's fine with it, but the guy who's on his line is just like a truck. Like he just tried <laughs> to roll, like knock, knock over anything in his sight in the penalty box half the game. But yeah, it's it's a different year. How about you yeah. guys? You guys have kids for sure. No, Justin, you have kids for sure, right? Ah, uh, yeah, I've got a I've got a four year old son, so he's a little bit away from that. But and my wife is very, very clear about not wanting him to play contact sports. I played contact sports sort of yeah. my my whole life growing up, although maybe that's not a case for pro. <laughs> but uh, he he's a pretty big kid, so I always say to my wife, I'm like, you know some point if he's the biggest kid in the class maybe you won't feel as as worried about it but i do remember that first year of playing contact hockey i remember playing my first year of football i remember my very first play of football it's a kickoff and i just got run over like i don't know what i was expecting to happen but just got destroyed and uh and <laughs> you learn pretty quick that you need to operate a little differently but but yeah. a lot of fun and then you'd like then you grow to like it it's a pretty good time cool. yeah yeah my little guy's almost two but he's He's more focused on dunking a toy basketball in the living room right now. I'm not sure how he feels about contact yet. We haven't decided, but yeah, yeah, you got lots got a, of time. Got some yeah. time. It's a good retirement plan, man. I'm, I'm getting Leo into skating this year. Like this year, we're planning to get him on a snowboard and getting him on skates, and and hopefully he likes it. His cousin that's six just started hockey, so he sort of wants to do whatever his cousin's doing. So I think he'll be be playing oh, hockey nice. after that. I think I think snowboarding or, or skiing is the table stakes that we're out on oh, on Vancouver Island. I'm sure. Like yeah. I don't think he'll he'll do so well at school without that skill. So. Yeah, he'll he'll be better than me by by age seven, I would guess probably. But I'm not very good. But my wife is, so they're both going to be. I'll just be at the chalet and they'll be tearing it up much cooler than me. I'm also on I'm also on skis. Go. He's on she's on a snowboard, so he's going to be on a snowboard like her already. And so I'm already less cool. We haven't even started, and I'm already less cool. But 
record your podcast in the chalet, man. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But anyways, Rana, appreciate you jumping on the show. You were recommended to us from Samantha Taylor, who said wonderful things about you and worked with you, at, I believe, at Craft many years ago and just yep. said, this is the guy you got to meet with. Super interesting career, <laughs> just tons of positive stuff. So I've been looking forward to this one for a while. And, and like I said, unfortunately, it's bounced around a few times, but but we have you here now and we're we're really excited to hear from you. All good. Oh, I'm excited as well. Congrats to you guys for running a podcast. Thank you. Appreciate that, Ron. How about I give you a quick introduction, just a little, you know, a brief, brief intro into who you are and then and then we'll hand it over to you and you could take us kind of through your career journey and and you know talk to us about what you're doing now. How's that sound? Perfect. Awesome. So today we are here with Ron Montero, who he has kind of two main main things he's been he's doing these days. One is speaker, facilitator, and coach with Clear Concept Inc. And he's also the founder of KICT, which is a consultancy and training company helping individuals unleash their potential. But he has you know, nearly 20 years of experience in CPG as well, much of which was in the finance field. So I'm going to hand it over to you, Ron, to, to share share your journey and, 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 you know, tell us about yourself. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you, Alex and Justin. Really appreciate being on your podcast. And I'll start way back, actually. So I, I actually grew yeah. up in Kenya and Africa, right? So I moved to Canada, so moved halfway across the world. And very shy guy, ended up going through school, took accounting, ended up in a very, my very first job was Hitachi in accounting, like debits, credits, like really boring stuff for you guys. <laughs> but interestingly enough, my, my second like long-term job was actually craft. So I landed in a company where, you know, finance people were much more than bean counters, right? So I went through my first job, I proved myself in more of a corporate role. And then I was put into a cross-functional finance role, right? So again, me having an accounting background, pretty shy guy, all of a sudden I'm presenting to the president of Craft Canada, a pricing strategy, right? And talk about throwing somebody out of his comfort zone. So again, for me, a couple of things there. Now I'm at the table helping make business decisions. And at the same time, it was one of those cultures where it was really supportive on two fronts. One is, hey, we want you to be a business partner and not just say it, but here's the things we're going to do to help you get there. Right. So I ended up staying at Kraft for almost 15 years. Right. So started as an analyst, got promoted up to manager, did a couple of director roles. And, and the biggest thing there is I think the culture there was so supportive. And I do not think I'd be where I am today if it wasn't for that culture. And I've had probably eight roles in 15 years, many, many managers. I ended up managing big teams. And it was just a really cool environment, work hard, play hard, that helped me kind of unleash potential I didn't even have, right? And a lot of times, mentors, managers pushed me in places which I didn't want to go, but they ended up being so rewarding, right? So fast forward after Kraft, I ended up getting a package from Kraft, right? So 3G Capital bought Kraft, very different business model. I read their handbook. I, I frankly put up my hand, so I was quite happy with the package. Gave me a new lease on life, right? It's like, okay, I've been doing the finance thing for almost 20 years. What can I do that's different, right? And I started exploring things. I was like, should I be a university professor? Should I be a soccer coach? What, what should I do? Like another passion of mine, soccer, right? And I was frankly kind of lost, right? But I ended up signing on with a company called Yaya Foods. It's a VP of finance. So private company, entrepreneur owned, and through a soccer connection, like just random, hey, we need we need somebody. And I was like a kid in the candy store, right? Like I walk into this company, I've got 15 years of craft experience. I got a manufacturing facility with 15 lines. I mean, it was a real deal there, but simple things like they weren't measuring output per day. So I go in there and I say, hey, let's put up some TVs. Let's measure our production. I was like gung-ho, like really excited. 
the owner looks at me, he's like, yeah, go do it. Right. And so you, you work for a massive company <laughs> like that. And you're like, Hey, you got armies of people doing stuff. You don't even know how stuff gets done really at, like those big companies. Okay. And now I'm like driving to Costco with the nephew and we're, the TVs are up in the next week and we start measuring it. And we start like, and I start bringing all the expertise I learned from craft into like a real experience. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I took over the, the warehouse. I was like, Okay, I had to go to the owner and tell him, hey, we had to write off some inventory. He's like, take it over. So now I'm working with forklift drivers. I'm really have my hands, you know, my sleeves rolled up and really loved it. Right. So I'm now in a very entrepreneurial business. And this, you know, the owner of the company, he he would tell you he's going to walk through a wall and he would do it. Like nothing would stop him. And, you know, simple things like launching a product, it would take him like weeks. Whereas, you know, you work for the big CPG companies, it takes you a year, right? So you st- I started learning a different way of doing things, right? Look, you know, maybe not all the T's were crossed and I's were dotted, right? Like, so I'm not saying yeah. one's better than the other, but just the power of entrepreneurship. And, and this gentleman had like all the big CPG brands under his roof. And it was just like, he was a fantastic sales guy and he just would not take no for an answer. So had a great stint there. And then, you know, one thing led to another and I decided to move on. And I ended up back in CPG, which I didn't, did not want to go back. So I ended up back at Campbell's, you know, canned soup, all the stuff that, you know, you think about, but fantastic company and really enjoyed it. But within my first few weeks, the plant, the plant down in South Etobicoke, 87 year old plant was, was now being closed. Right. So it ended up being quite a different situation where like, it's like, Hey, we've got this plant, three generations of people working at this company and now the plant's closing. Right. So essentially Campbell's Canada shrunk a little and I spent a fantastic year over there, really enjoyed it. And then one of my mentors, Dino Bianco, who's this, the CEO of Kruger products, former president of Kraft asked me to come in and say, look, I'd like you to meet my CFO. I'd like PVHR, I think, you know, your style of finance would be good. So I went in and they created a role for me at Kruger, which was corporate finance director and the, the lead for finance training. And that second part to me was really important because I started to realize I loved teaching, training, things like that. And I did that for a year and a half. It was amazing. Worked with the executive team, traveled to all the, the plants, did a lot of training, tried to upskill the team. And then I just had this urge to say, look, I want to start my own business. And I'd done enough internal training at Kruger and all these other places that I said, look, I'm going to go for it. So I started doing some free training sessions for some of my CFO friends. They went really well. And my idea was really around soft skills for finance, something I had gone through, right? Starting my, you know, my yeah. move to Kenya to Canada. And I learned how to be a communicator through training, through mentorship, things like that. And, you know, a couple of years later, now got my own business. I facilitate for an amazing company, Clear Concept. And I recently embarked on a journey where I now host a group of CEOs. So I'm a forum chair for a, a group of CEOs. So very much away from where I started, but really cool for me to, to be in this space where I'm now an entrepreneur. Yeah, that's, that's a really cool. That's a really cool journey. Um, yeah, thank you. I think uh, one, one question, and you know, for your context, like we're always trying to illuminate CPG for people who aren't in the space or interested in joining it. And I guess it would be great if you could tell the audience a little bit about what a corporate, like a, you know, a, a crafter or Kruger Campbell's, cons- you know, consumer finance, you know, either brand or sales side uh, person is actually doing like what, you know, cause I know a, a lot of people think it's just a black box when they're, when they're unfamiliar, as you said, like being countered, but it's so much more. So I would love to hear your POV there. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, I was fortunate, right? Like I just, you know, I got interview at Kraft. I didn't know much about it. And I walked in and what was really cool is like, really felt like I was impacting the world, so to speak. Like I could see my products on the shelves. I could, yeah, I love 
work on stuff. And, and it was so fast moving. Like, it's like, you know, there's never a dull moment, right? My, my first, I remember transitioning out of my first cross-functional role and the guy who was taking over, he's like, hey, give me the job manual. I'm like, there's no manual. Every day is a different day. You're working on pricing, D-lists, you know, discontinuations, mergers, acquisitions. And it was just such a fast moving experience, right? And at the same time, what's really interesting about it is it's also very competitive. So, you know, especially at that craft, it's like best yeah. and brightest people. And you're just like, you know, working through strat plans, you're working through budgets, you're working through all kinds of interesting, amazing projects. And it's right from manufacturing to sales, right? So again, it's a lot of companies that, you know, you can get that experience to see almost the entire business. And so for me, yeah. I worked first in manufacturing finance, marketing finance, sales finance. I traveled around the country and I think it's just a great industry to learn business fundamentals. Right. And again, you know, post craft, post CPG, I mean, I work for a few CPGs and I do training for many, many companies and the same skill set's not quite there. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just the discipline of, hey, I've got to be all over my business. I got to understand my PL. So even if you're outside of finance, the marketing folks, the sales folks, like you had to have a good sense of what's the right business decision. So I think it's a brilliant industry. Having said that, I mean, it's, it's changed a lot. So when I first started, it was the heydays of CPG companies, right? You know, yeah. big overhead budgets and all kinds of offsites and things like that. It's now much more competitive, right? You know, mm -hmm. ugly words like zero-based budgeting and stuff like that have come into play, right? Yeah. And so yeah. one of the things I loved about, you know, my time at Crafts is I was doing offsites. I was going to Florida. I was like going to Vancouver. I was like, you know, all kinds of stuff to, to help with the business and, and think the industry has changed a little, right? So it's not mm -hmm. as, you know, sexy, so to speak, but I think it still has the same appeal for anyone who wants to be a great business person. Yeah, that's a great, great summary. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting way to look at it. And like, I love that you you started in big CPG with craft, learned so much about you're right, like not just finance, but just like how to manage a PL, how to be a business owner, how to do all those things. There's so many skills that you learn through the, the finance lens there, and then went to smaller company and brought some of those expertise over. And and I've found like big companies, like you said, they move slow. You know, you say let's put some TVs up, take six months. And you don't even know who's doing it, but they don't, <laughs> they don't make mistakes on things and smaller companies move really quickly and they tend to make a lot of mistakes. So like, what was your experience moving between these and even, you know, Campbell's versus like Kraft? Like, what was your experience working for these different companies where they very different cultures, very different speeds, very different workloads? Like, what did you find kind of throughout your career? Yeah, I know it's, it's interesting as I reflect on it, right? There's certain culture around yeah. craft where it's just like high expectations all, all the time. Like, and at the same time, like I'm, there were mistakes. Like, so for example, like, you know, there's one time I remember we were planning on launching a product. It was hot in the market and it just a lot of red tape to get it approved. And then mm -hmm. other competitors took over, right? Ate our lunch, so to speak. So for me, I think the commonality really comes down to leadership, right? So I've worked at some companies where mm -hmm. the leadership's not quite there, right? It's it's like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, we, we'd accept mediocre, we'd accept average, we're just going to launch products without maybe doing the disciplined analysis, right? Whereas craft was was the opposite. It was like, hey, we're going to do the analysis to say, is this the right thing in the long run? We made lots of mistakes, but it was more like the rigor, right? Whereas I've been to other companies yeah. where maybe finance is locked in a back room somewhere. I don't know where they are. Yeah. And, and the decisions are really made, you know, more for short-term uh, short-term functional gain, so to speak, like a junior marketer might launch a product that's, you know, a product on their resume, but maybe it's not the right thing. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. I think it really comes down to, does the company have that cross-functional leadership and discipline 
and energy. Like, I mean, there's, there's part of that there too. Well, yeah, I think that's well said. I, I completely agree with what you're saying about rigor and discipline. And it's, it's always hard to find when people are juggling a million balls, but you need, to, you need to find it. You end up with, you end up with tough situations to get out of. The other one you kind of talked about is red tape. And I think in corporations like leadership, helping you navigate that is so huge too. Like it's, that's a whole other art. You talked about your entrepreneurial boss, like running through a wall when he said so. Like, yeah. I love that, that style of leadership as well. In addition to the rigor, it's, it's huge. Yeah. And look where I sit now, like I don't, I run my own business, so I don't waste time yeah. with stuff that I probably wasted time at when I was working for the bigger companies, like emails and you know IMs and like you know stuff yeah. that just consumes you. Yeah. Yeah. Processes and decks and all these type of things. Yes, they're important, but there's a there's there is a limit. And even Craft was notorious for having these full day meetings and like eighty page decks and stuff like that. And it's just like serious, like. After going through like nine 80 page decks for a full day brand reviews, how much do we actually remember? Right. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting yeah. from my perspective now, if I was to go back and I'd be much more ruthless about like what's truly value added and what's just a meeting for the sake of it. Right. So there's so much opportunity as I think through my previous experience, even though it was fantastic, it's like I would do it differently if I was back there. Yeah, it's so true. So even if you add up everyone's salary for that full day meeting, it's an ex- that's an expensive, <laughs> expensive <laughs> meeting that you're having, right? I've thought that before in meetings. So, so you've got the great, you know, great experience in in smaller companies, in massive multinational companies. You decide to go out on your own and do your own thing. Like, tell us a little bit about that. And and I know you touched on it at the beginning, but like, you know, maybe let's dive into it a little deeper. Like, why why do it? What is it? Why would someone be interested in it? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I had a really interesting experience when I was at Campbell's where I had these three gentlemen who came in and led a a course for like a high potential cohort, right? So Mm -hmm. I remember getting that email, congratulations, you're part of this cohort. And I was like, okay, this is going to be a regular training session, right? But what it was, was quite different. Like those, these three gentlemen who I still keep in touch with really helped us uncover our values, right? I remember half the group loved it, half the Heck of these three talking about. I was one of those ones who loved it. And, and my simple conclusion coming out of that is I'm a teacher in finance clothing as opposed to a finance person who likes training sessions. And so what it led me to is I'm going to teach anytime I get a chance to. And I actually, one of those three coaches, I hired them on a personal level to say, look, I love your energy. You've actually, he actually made the exact change I wanted to do, which is go from CPG to running his own business. And he coached me through it. So I started doing some free sessions, as I think I mentioned earlier. And then made the decision to go out on my own. And, you know, interestingly enough, it was maybe a little bit too early because my first six months were disaster. (laughs) Like I was like, I was getting like zero revenue. I had no idea what selling was all about. And then I went back to the drawing board and like, you see some books behind me. I read every sales book I can. I listened to all, you know, people like Brian Tracy. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. Love Brian Tracy. Old school sales guy. And a simple thing like, you know, if you were two of my potential customers, initially I'd be like, hey, I do soft skills for finance. I do all the talking. I wouldn't listen to you guys and I wouldn't have like a presentation. So a simple thing like listening to a Brian Tracy video from a sales perspective, I need to show you guys what I do. So now I'd say, hey, Alex, Justin, can I show you some of my material after spending the majority of the time listening to you, right? So a simple thing like that. So then I realized, okay, my major gap is sales. I've seen it when I worked with lots of salespeople, but I've never really done it, right? Mm -hmm. And look, we're always selling in some capacity, but now for me to generate my business, 
And uh, I just started doing lots of free stuff, doing training. I, I just listened to all the stuff I read about entrepreneurship and not giving up. And I remember one of my first sales stories, I'll tell you guys a story. So I got on a call with a CFO and he's doing his GM a favor by being on the call. This next, the GM was an ex-craft person. And I could tell he wants to hang up for me right from the start. He was mm -hmm. doing it. And I just asked him, hey, like, so for example, Justin, hey, what's that picture over your left, you know, your right shoulder? And you're like, it's Kawhi. And he talked about his mm -hmm. trophy that he had for 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. became a really good friend of mine in like 15 minutes. Again, I was just listening. So listening is such a key <laughs> skill in entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the meeting, I genuinely said, look, I think you're doing the things I'm trying to train you on. And he goes, no, I'm, I really want you to come in and reinforce my message, right? So I'm like getting so excited. I can't pay my bills. I finally <laughs> got some business. And then I'm waiting for the email. Nothing comes, right? And I'm like, shit, like he told me he's going to send me two dates. So then again, I went back to that GM. His, friend, his name's Dave, a really good friend of mine. Look, just send an email every couple of weeks. The guy's a busy guy and just get it to the top of his inbox. And about six months later, after all that follow-up, he's like, here's the two dates. Let's go. Right. And again, for me as a finance person, learning patience, persistence, all these skills, it's been it's been really cool. Right. And and then, you know, some of the things I've done, like I do a youth University of Toronto lecture every year for twelve hundred students. Right. Again, think I started as a very shy guy yeah, out of my yeah. comfort zone. And that's one of the highlights of my year. Every year I've done it for like seven thousand students now. And then during COVID. I was like, hey, why don't I try to speak globally, right? Like, I mean, I'm sitting there one day just thinking about it. And I sent an email to some of my students who I connected with. And then I did four lectures in India, one in Vietnam, two in Hawaii. And look, oh. these were free sessions, but it's just yeah. it's similar to what you do as an entrepreneur, which is, look, I'm just going to keep going. And some of the things you do as an entrepreneur, like are, you know, you, you don't get paid for, but yeah. you will get paid in some way, right? And, yeah. and so I did all kinds of stuff like that. And, you know, when I did a session, I got a training session with a company, I just spent hours and hours getting ready and just kept following up, right? So if I did, you know, a good session with a company, like a company like McCain, for example, is one of my biggest clients. I've done now done many sessions with them and they've actually seen in their surveys that there's an uptick with training and development and satisfaction and things like that. So all those are data points for me to that I can take and build confidence and competence in this new space, right? So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm rambling for a bit. Does that kind no. of hit where you're... No, I think That's it's awesome. I think it's a really cool story of, and like very like real, right? Like, you know, scary and required a lot of persistence, right? Like on that leap of faith and, and, and yeah, I just appreciate that. I appreciate the kind of transparency because you often hear this stuff on LinkedIn and it just sounds like I started this business and it was easy, but like, it's not it's not easy, right? Like, and it's, yeah, I, I love, I love the give to get that you've done as well. I think that's a big, a big takeaway. Yeah. I really believe in it, right? Like, I mean, let's say I, you guys do me a favor. That's amazing. You will get paid maybe not necessarily by me, but that's the whole concept around it. Like don't expect it right away. It will come back in Ooh. some shape or form. But then the other thing is also learning to appreciate the journey, right? So for example, yeah. my new business, it's not like I'm getting paid every day. It's I'm, look, I get paid when I do sessions or things like that, but they don't come that often, right? So it's learning to look, I have a session tomorrow, for example, how do I appreciate the, the three, four week journey, putting it all together. Yeah. And that was very uncomfortable when I first started. Now it's like, I've learned to say, look, you know, people, it's a cliche, like, hey, the journey, blah, blah, blah. But it really is if you want to be happy as an entrepreneur, like in, in my space, right? Because you yeah. can't just be happy on delivering a presentation. It's like, no, you got to 
appreciate the journey to get there and the process. So, I mean, I've got like so many learnings from this. And as you said, it's scary. Right? I mean, I, look, I wasn't paying my, I couldn't pay my bills. I brand new mortgage, two kids, all this stuff. And I'm dipping into my savings. And thankfully I had some savings. Right. Yeah. But then, you know, then you become comfortable with that. It's like, look, that's fine. You know, where that wasn't comfortable with me before. Yeah. And and that was during COVID too, right? That you were starting, you were kind yeah, of that was, getting it. It was during COVID. I mean, frankly, the COVID actually helped me a lot because yeah. my market changed from Toronto to the world, right? That's true. Yeah. And now me, and actually coincidentally, one of my free sessions that I did, it was a global webinar. The guy who spoke right after me, I just had an instinct that I should connect with him. And he's now become my business partner amazing guy. Awesome. We work together so well. We've learned. And he's the, kind of like a LinkedIn celebrity. So he's got like 85,000 followers or something. So he gets calls from like an Indian company called him and said, Hey, can you do a masterclass for CFOs virtually? And so me and him did that. Another guy calls him and said, look, I have a company in Sweden. We'd love you to train our whole company. And so me and Paul, Paul lives in Utah. I'm in, I'm in Toronto, are doing a session halfway around the world. Right. So, so COVID as, as hard as it was, I mean, it does create opportunities, right? Just like anything else, yeah. any mm-hmm. adversity, there's a seed of opportunity, so to speak. Great disruptor, right? Of of our our careers, I think, for all of us. Talk to us about the Love Mondays podcast. You're a podcaster yourself. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. And I, and look, I'm I'm an amateur podcaster. I got some so, videos, so videos on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. But it it's one of the things I loved. And and back just backing up a little, there's a company called LumaQ, which is in the in the finance space phenomenal company run by two entrepreneurs or founded by two entrepreneurs. And, you know, as an accountant, as a CPA, I need to get hours for my professional, de- you know, development. Mm, yeah. So they came up with said, look, let, instead of having boring, like, like, I shouldn't say training courses, because that's what I do for a living. <laughs> but instead of having training courses, let's have some podcasts that are educational and entertaining. And, you know, when they first started, like, you know, they approached me, they said, do you want to be a guest? And I was like, yes. And it went really well. They used that as part of their sales pitch. And then I had an idea. I was like, can I put it together a podcast series for them? And mm-hmm. I just pitched it. Like another thing with entrepreneurship is just ask. A lot of times we convince ourselves not to. And so then I ended up doing a six-part series for them. I brought in my own guests. I learned from them. Like they've got, they're amazing. Like, so the producer who works with me, her name's Suman. The first interview, I was like, okay, I'm ready to go. And she's like, where's the outline? Where's the questions? I'm like, I'm going to wing it. And she's like, no, you're not. And so I learned, I learned the art of podcast, which I'm still learning. It's, it's, as you guys know, there's so many fine details to it. Right. So I did, I think I've done like nine podcasts with them and now in the U S and Canada. So I started getting the itch to do something myself. And I've always had this fashion fascination with like, Many people I encounter do not like what they do, but they mm-hmm. still do it for the money, for mm-hmm. the responsibility, for whatever reason, for there's many reasons, right? And so my whole thing now is how do I help more and more people start loving what they do? Because I went from a very mm-hmm. stable finance job and I loved my career, but towards the end, I wasn't enjoying it as much to now I'm running my own business. I've got control of my calendar and I can love what I do, right? I can make those intentional choices to say, how do I spend more time doing things that are joyful and less that are painful, cumbersome, boring, whatever you want to call it. And, and that's where like the Love Mondays came in. So I said, look, why don't I interview people? Mm. And then another cool story is another just to ask is I watched this podcast called the Ed Milet podcast. I don't know if you guys have seen it. No, no. It's, it's massive, like on YouTube. Like it's, I think it's one of the biggest mm. podcasts out there. But he, they had like an ex-president of Starbucks named Howard Bihar on it, right? So this guy, older gentleman in his 70s, 
amazing servant leader leadership guy. Like, and I'm I'm all about servant leadership, building a team. And he he does this interview, and at the end of it, he just puts out his phone number and email address. Wow! Wow! And this was probably viewed by like more than half a million people. (laughs) And long story short, I emailed him. I'm like, hey, I'd love to have you on my podcast. I hadn't even started. And I had two or three calls with him. I really prepped. I read his book. I, I'm a finance guy. I understand coffee because that was part of Kraft's portfolio. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just like a fan coming, like trying to get him. I was, I was really engaging in some good conversation with him. And then he said, yes. And so now I've got like an ex-president of Starbucks on my first interview. Wow. wow right. Yeah. And so, yeah. So then, you know, and, and this will be cool for you guys. Then it becomes, okay, shit, how do I follow the ex-president of Starbucks? Right. <laughs> and so I just asked him, I just said, Hey, can you introduce me to people? And then he yeah. introduced me to another gentleman, Jim Alling, who was also president of Starbucks, COO of T-Mobile, CEO of Tom wow. Shoes, like stuff like that. And it's just one thing led to another. And I did quite a few, but I've also brought in my own guests, right? I mean, Justin, you know, you probably both know Samantha Taylor. So I had one podcast with three female CEOs, right? And they're all coffee companies, Lisa Richardson, Christine Cruz-Clark, and Samantha. Mm. And it was more just around, hey, these amazing individuals who've gotten to the top of their game, top of their company. And mm. in the spirit of, hey, how do they love Mondays? How do we teach people that it's possible, right? So again, my podcast, 11 interviews on YouTube only. I haven't put it anywhere else, but it's been so instrumental in me learning. Right. And I want to continue down that path. And it connects to my theme of training where I want to go in and say, like, guys, finance, like you need to be part of the team. You need to step up. You need to, you know, I shouldn't say you need to. There is an opportunity. Like there's inviting people to say it is possible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's where for me, it's like, I think the world would be so much better if people loved what they did. I love that. As opposed to obligation. Right. I love that philosophy. And I'm I'm curious if you have a, a, a nugget, one or two, one or two key ways to love Monday that you can share with the hearts and carts. Yeah, I'd say the two things. So one of my favorite authors, Robin Sharma. Like, so if you guys have read any of his books. Like, read 5 you know, books. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't survive 5 a.m. You tried it. But I, I love, I love, Char- I love Robin's, Robin's philosophies and energy. Yeah, so, so I buy into that hour of power, whatever it is, totally. whether it's in the morning or the night. It's like, it's taking control of your day as opposed to your day being controlled. So I really got into that mindset of, I'm going to start my day with whatever is going to juice me and get me ready. So whether it's exercise, reading, meditation, whatever it is. So the first thing is just take that hour and make it yours, right? So I think Robin Sharma has like a 20, 20, 20 formula. There's, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a million of these. There's another one, Hal Elrod's the name of the author. And he's got savers, silence, affirmations, visioning, exercise, reading, and scribing. Like, so he does like, mm-hmm. even if you have six minutes, do one minute of each, right? So for people like, oh, I don't have time, right? Yeah. Carve out whatever time you need start the day well. And then there's a cool concept called Ikigai, which is a Japanese concept. You guys may have heard of it, but it's got four questions to say, how do you find your purpose, right? Which is such a big question. But but one of the questions I love is like, would you still do it if you didn't get paid for it? Mm. Like example, my podcast, I don't get paid for it. I put in tons mm-hmm. of hours. I'm sure you guys do the same, yeah. but I still do it. So then you know, if you can find something where you, you'd still do it anyway, but you do get paid, the world needs it. Like there's four different questions. I mean, it's really powerful. And so just Mm -hmm. taking the opportunity to step back and saying, like, are you really doing? So for me as a finance guy, I was very good at it. I'd learned the ropes. I could easily go into another CPG company as a director slash VP, but it wasn't giving me joy. Right. And, and 
I can see the energy with people now if they're just kind of yeah. locked into, hey, I hate Monday. Yeah. You know, that that's the whole thing. Anyone who says, I hate Mondays, there's <laughs> ways to uncover what's going to give you joy. Yeah. yeah. But then it becomes one step at a time. Like you can't go to zero, 100 and overnight. Like that's why yeah. I like your questions around when you do start a business, be ready because it's going to be a little rocky. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Right. Yeah. And, and so, and then the biggest thing I did was I hired that, you know, my coach Wayne, who again, he lives out your way. He lives in Vancouver, yeah. Vancouver Island, but he had walked my path already in a different mm -hmm. way. Yeah. So if you could find a mentor, like that's to me is the biggest nugget, a mentor, somebody who you really look up to, who's kind of done something similar. That was, that was a game changer for me because I don't think I would have survived my journey if I didn't have somebody like that. I think that's another skill set that like a lot of people hesitate on, right? Like it's one, you know, having that first conversation, sometimes people get past that, but like building that sustained and nurturing the sustained mentor relationship, people feel, you know, apprehensive or like, you know, that they're bothering people. I, I'm guilty of that myself, I think, to some degree. So speaking partly from experience. So I think that's a really good thing to call out, like the importance of that, because yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to just say it's too hard or that you're bothering, you know, you're, it's uncomfortable, but it's a huge unlock, right? Like it's massive. It's, yeah. It's all about chemistry, right? Like if, if there truly is the chemistry between a mentor, a mentee or a coach and, and person they're coaching, like that's what it's all about. Like I would never force, like, I mean, when I was working yeah. in craft, I remember being paired with a mentee and, and myself yeah. and, and we just didn't have the chemistries and we're like forcing these meetings. And so it's yeah. all about finding yeah. the right person. And the other thing is people love giving advice, right? So when you say, Hey, I'm bothering them or I'm wasting their time. I think it's the opposite. Yeah. Mm. And, and so people love saying, Hey, here's what I've learned. Here's the puddles I've stepped in. Here's how you can get around them. And, and so I'm big on that, right? whether it's me giving younger people, that's why I do the university lectures. I love do, doing those lectures, but also asking people, right? When I first started my business, I, I had no idea how to even price a training session, zero. Yeah. Like I was, yeah, so I would call them and say, hey, what do you think? And I'd call other people and say, hey, what do you think? And again, me being naturally introverted, I wouldn't, it wasn't my natural go-to, yeah. but now I've learned it. And you know, when you have pressure on you, like, hey, you got to pay your bills, you got to build your business, you start doing things which you may be uncomfortable with, right? So yeah. I constantly throw myself into uncomfortable situations, which frankly, I wouldn't have even a few years ago. Fair. Yeah. It goes, goes back to the piece you said earlier about just ask, right? Like, I think that's yeah. the piece is like, yeah, just taking that step to build those relationships, to ask those questions. I think a lot of people are even just like afraid to ask, like, you don't know how to price the seminar that you're trying to teach, right? Most people are just trying to figure it out. Yes. It's like, you just ask someone, they get answered in five seconds save you a week of work <laughs> trying to figure this out right there you go and so you just you actually go. ask it, it it solves that but uh, yeah this is i mean a lot of advice there yeah there's, there's, i've been taking notes like yeah like no. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's another sorry i'm throwing all these books your way but there's another yeah. author jack canfield the chick, chicken soup guy right yeah so so his guess how many book publishers rejected his chicken soup series just to take a guess you're gonna guess 140 i was gonna say 100 how much i said 100 yeah, you guys are yeah, you guys are sharp. It's 144. That's the by far the closest wow. guess I've had to it. Like he's he's a brilliant person on YouTube and stuff. His books, there's a book called The Success Principles, which I read, mm -hmm. which again comes back to develop your purpose, your vision, all those type of things. So no matter where I've gone, I've found that's the common element. But he has one book, I think it's called The Aladdin Factor. <laughs> and he has a term, be an asshole, right? Like be an asshole, like A S K hole, right? And I really, it really resonated with me. And I when when I learned that, I was like, okay, I'm gonna be an asshole, 
right? And I'm going <laughs> to ask the questions. If I get no, cool, right? And there's an, I mean, uh, there's another book, Go for No, right? Which is if you haven't gotten a no, you're not pushing hard enough, mm-hmm. That's good right? Which yeah. interesting concepts. Which again, for me, back in my finance days, I wouldn't even be exposed to this stuff. Yeah, you're trying to like avoid right? rejection, and, but in reality, it just means that you're not pushing enough. Yeah, and being okay with the no, being okay with rejection. Yeah. Okay, what's next? Right? Find the what limit. can I learn from it? Is that, is that by the same author? Go for no. No, it's a famous sales book. Like so many sales training books will will have that. I can't remember the author. Oh, good. But, I, uh, I think, I, yeah, I think I've listened to it. It's a it's a really powerful concept, right? And again, for me, it's all about growth mindset to say what's mm-hmm. new, what can I learn that's different. And you know, for me, as an example, I'm not, I've never been big on social media, right? Like I've and I've actually invested a lot of time just kind of building my LinkedIn presence and, and things like that. And, and just being open to it, like chat GPT, like a couple of days ago, actually yesterday, I had the opportunity to go down to the meta office cool. and try like mm. mixed reality, virtual reality, stuff like that, right? Where I wouldn't have even been interested. And now I'm like, okay, instead of being a late adopter technology, how can I get a little to the forefront? Yeah. And I was talking to another guy today and he was telling me how AI is like, it's the biggest thing since fire. Like <laughs> he's got a whole presentation he's going to share on how it's going to change the world. So if you haven't been exposed to chat GPT and Claude and all these things, totally. In my old world, I would not. I'd be building a budget. I'd be somewhere, you know, doing stuff where I wouldn't be exposed to. So I think the other thing that's changed a lot now is having the growth mindset to say, let, let me take advantage of what's out there. Yeah, we we actually we rely on a lot of AI and organizing ourselves for this. And and yeah, it's I mean, with, you know, you talked about LumiQ. I actually, I know Adina from, I don't know if you worked with Adina. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's my wife's cousin. And and I know like we, we do this just the two of us. And I mean, AI makes certain elements of that possible in terms of efficiency, right? And I can only imagine with a consultancy or whatever, the ways you can cut cut time. And yeah, it's, uh, I think it is for a lot of people, it's like there's a a, a moment and you see it like in older older generations to some degree where they don't want to learn the new technology because like whatever it's daunting feels yeah. too much friction but like you're so right like it's it's how do you how do you move past that that hesitation yeah 100 um a question we ask all our guests ron is for a, what we call their brand crush what's like a consumer product out there that you either like you either use it and love it or or you just love what they stand for or what they're doing out in the marketplace. Yeah. So a couple pop in my mind. So like Starbucks has always fascinated me, right? I looked, I know there's lots of stuff going on now about Starbucks, but I remember like, you know, as an example, my daughter was now a teenager. She'd be like, I'm broke, but in the same sentence, she's getting a refresher for $7 and <laughs> stuff like that. Right. So yeah. brand that's been able to just take consumers to like a different price point, different. I work in Starbucks a lot, right? Like it's just a brilliant atmosphere where, hey, the people will be super friendly to me. I'm not being bothered. So Starbucks has always been a fascinating brand to me for many reasons. Another one, again, I have two teenagers and they're wearing, they wear Crocs, right? And it's like, what is up with these Crocs, right? And they came in, then they went out. And now like these little gibbets have created like a massive market. And both my kids wear it, all the kids I see. So so I love the resurrection of that brand through like something really simple, but Again, it just taught me how innovation is possible with any brand. And then the third one, which I'll tell you, and actually it connects to Adina helped me on this episode with LumiQ. I don't know if you guys have heard of Mod Pizza. I think they have two locations in Canada, both on Vancouver Island. Yes. But it was a purpose-driven, yeah, purpose-driven company. And I interviewed the the co-founders. 
Alien Scott Svensson. And they just came out with purpose to level the playing field, right? We're going to hire ex-felons. We're going to take people from parts of society, which most companies won't go to. We're going to open restaurants in risky areas. So instead of taking the safe path, they're like, hey, we're going to fail forward intentionally and we're going to level the playing field. And then everybody still has to step up. But they, they, you know, now they're 500 plus locations and just like purpose, like they really wanted to lead with purpose. And that for me is a fascinating brand, right? As opposed to leading with dollars. This is a brand that's grown tremendously, 500 thriving locations, changing people's lives. So for me, a brand like that is, is what I really gravitate to. That, that's so, I know Mod Pizza just from being out here, which I, I don't know the story behind it. So now I, I feel embarrassed about that and need to look into that. I think those are, those are great no, examples. No, I think, yeah. And I, again, I think, you know, in Canada, they don't really have a presence, right? So a lot of us in Canada may not have heard of them. Um, but in the US, they have. And I did a podcast where I was so excited because I had the two of them on. It was my lowest viewed podcast. Mm-hmm. And could be on, it could be timing, who knows? You know, lots of stuff going on in the world. People are like, there's more important stuff to listen to, yeah. so to speak. But I don't think they have a presence in Canada, maybe because of, yeah. of our dairy industry or, or what it is. But uh, again, there's so many interesting brands like that that have been created, right? Again, Tom's Shoes is another one right? Where mm. I had the, the chance to interview. So started in Argentina, the founder is like, hey, I want to do a good thing. And he described it as lightning in a bottle. It could never match what they had with that, you know, that one pair, the very first shoe, right? Mm. So again, I think the common thing is like, it's like brands can reinvent itself, right? If they put the right energy and purpose behind it, right? Yeah. I, don't, I, I, um, I was in a Crocs store recently and like that example is so, we haven't heard it on the show. It's so on point. Like, especially like the number of affiliation, like the number of other brands that are now affiliated with Crocs and in their store is wild. Like yeah. they, everyone wants to be in that orbit. Every sports, every sports team, like it's crazy. Yeah. And and my son, for example, 13 year old, he buys like a whole bunch of gibbets on Amazon and he's selling it to his friends and you know, it's, <laughs> it's created all this side business and fake gibbets and, but it's just create a lot of news right so that's cool yeah pretty cool it's, it's yeah it's so wild i thought i didn't think crocs would ever come back and now they're they're the coolest thing again it's leo's on like yeah. his fourth pair that's like the number one shoe he doesn't want to wear regular shoes it's only it's only crocs ever ron last last question i want to ask you if you were standing in front of yourself 20 years ago somebody that wanted to get into the space maybe following your footsteps in the finance field and in cpg what advice would you give them i i think you know, on the CPG side, I would say just dive in and go into a company which really appreciates, you know, finance as a business partner, right? Because I have worked for other companies where it's like, hey, you know, sit and, you know, just send me the numbers and we'll make the decision. It's finding a culture which really appreciates all business partners, right? And I would say, you know, not just for finance, for sales, for marketing, supply chain, it's, it's find that company where you're going to be at the table and you're going to be thrown out into the business, right? So for me, even as a finance person, I was going out to manufacturing, I was going out to sales meet, you know, you really understand how to be a business person. So my biggest advice is just find ways to be involved, right? And then, you know, I think we've talked a lot about my current capacity, just ask persistence, mentorship. There's so many different lessons I've learned in the last couple of years. Awesome. Very well said. Perfect. Yeah. Um, Ron, Ron, this is an absolute pleasure. It was a really good conversation and, and just cool to learn about you and your story and probably going to hit you up for some, some book, some, some yeah. additional book recommendations. Cause I feel like we had, we had lots of overlap, but you also hit a lot of ones I, I hadn't, I hadn't yet seen or, or read. So 
just awesome to meet you and appreciate you coming and joining joining us. Yeah, no, no. Awesome to meet both of you guys, Alex and Justin. I really appreciate the time and congrats on, on what you guys do. You guys seem to have amazing chemistry and, you know, helping the space, right? Helping people understand is is amazing. So congrats to you guys. Thanks so much, Ron. Thanks so much, okay, Ron. Good stuff. Have All the best. Day. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Well, that was an awesome, awesome conversation. Ron has a, a great energy. Just like I love his 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 overall um, philosophy on, on learning and teaching and um, small world that he knows Nat's cousin. And uh, yeah, just a, a really cool guy and a really cool story. What were some of your uh, your key takeaways? Yeah, I, I agree. Ron was, I mean, he was full of advice. Like he, he hit on so many different things. I was taking notes like a, like a madman trying to get the different books down, the different quotes down. I loved so much of what he said. And I think he's our first finance guest that we've had on. Um, mm-hmm. which, which already tells you he's smarter than us. Uh, so really good <laughs> conversation with him. I liked, um, I liked so much of what he said, but the one that I wrote down and starred was, um, basically what set him on the path to entrepreneurship was, which was that training course where he talked about uncovering what your values were and that he discovered that he was a teacher in finance clothing. And I just loved that. He actually talked about prior to that, after craft, he wasn't sure what he was going to do. He thought about teaching. So it's interesting that it kind of came full full circle after that. I think um, it sort of goes into his podcast a little bit and what he does, but it's like really understanding what gives you energy and what you want to do and how you want to do it. And life's too short to hate what you're doing, right? So it's like mm-hmm. find out what fills your cup, what gives you energy, and then and then chase after that. And I think uncovering your values and uncovering you know who you are as a person and really deeply understanding that is like is the way to do that. What about you, Alex? I think like there, like agree with everything you touched and we'll try not to say the same thing. I think one of the things I was observing in his, in his kind of journey um, was that he burned the ships. Like he, 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 you know, he said there, I've done things that I would not have been comfortable doing whatever two years ago or three years ago um, because I, I made it, my only option and Mm. I created the pressure. Um, And I think sometimes like it's easy to avoid or to like, to not, not want to um, not want to take risk. And obviously we're all, we're all different in that respect, but there can be so much growth um, by, by jumping in the deep end uh, sometimes. And I, I think, you know, Ron's story is a great example of that. Yeah, really, really fascinating guy. Um, don't want to steer people to a different podcast, but I think that's one that you should check out. And it's probably one that that I'm going to check out as well. And Alex, like what you said about hitting them up for some book recommendations at the end there. Just um, ton, tons of advice. Uh, really interesting conversation. If you're still with us, thank you for continuing down this journey with us now for over a year. If you haven't, go back and listen to every single episode. We'd love that. Uh, also five-star reviews. We love getting those. Make sure you follow us on social media and let's keep going on this journey together. Thanks everyone.